Welcome back to the Weekend Ball Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jonathan Chen, the guy who covers all things Canada basketball for Raptors Republic. If you're not following him, then I don't know what you're doing. Uh, thanks so much, Jonathan, for for coming on. We're going to be doing a bit of a postcast after Canada beats beat Lebanon. Uh, I don't even know remember the score. What was it? One twenty eight seventy three. Is is that? Did I recall that correctly? Is that and is that fifty five points? I, I that must be a Canadian yes. record in a big tournament. Actually. They almost beat Jordan in. Tw- they beat Jordan by sixty, right? Last time. Oh my god! Um, I'll, I'll try to find twenty nineteen. This- yeah, twenty nineteen. Oh yeah, I don't remember. Anyways, yeah. um, thanks so much, Jonathan. I'll Google that quickly. Uh, Jordan versus Canada, but just just for you, Jonathan. Um, what were maybe your main takeaways? It was, of course, going to be a bl- one sided affair. Mm-hmm. I'm not that surprised. I don't think you yeah. are at the score line. But what are some of the things you you take away from a game like today where uh, Canada just shot the ball so well and played as a team and was collective? And what was it, 44 uh, assists the most in 30 years almost? So, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, like like you said about like the kind of playing together as a team, I think it was like 44 assists for like 50 field goals or something like that. So that's mm-hmm. like a ridiculous kind of ratio for assisted to unassisted baskets. Um, and yeah, I think the, the the main thing that jumps out is definitely the shooting. Um, the the three-point shooting was kind of iffy against France. Um, and I know a lot of people were kind of worried about that heading into the game um, or into this uh, World Cup. But I guess like the, the shooting variant swung um, and it, or it corrected itself today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is yeah. such a bad opponent. No offense to any Lebanese. I love Lebanon. Uh, I, I've been there. And also just uh, Ottawa, where I live, has so many Lebanese uh, restaurants and, and people. So, But yeah, it it was a really... They just were not good. I watched them against Latvia. I'm not surprised that this was the scoreline. But at the same time, if you get open shots, you, you have to make them. And that's what Canada did. Did they shoot over? It was what fifty something percent from three. Do you have that on you? Yeah, I have it right here. Yeah, so they shot eighteen of thirty, which is sixty percent from three. Oh my god! Um, oh and my god. I think in the in the France game they were eleven for thirty six. So that's uh the thirty thirty percent. So almost mm-hmm. like a like doubling their their accuracy there. So I think that's definitely one of the the major takeaways. And yeah, like you said though, it it was a lot of like open shots. Um, and so like, I don't know if we can really take away like, oh, this team is good at shooting, for example, Um, because I think a lot of them felt like kind of practice shots where they had so much time to kind of set their feet and, um, and then shoot the ball. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think kind of like a more like kind of niche thing is at least I saw Canada played a couple possessions of zone defense. I saw that too. Um, which I know has been kind of a, a topic of conversation with, uh, like how Jordy's defense has differed compared to like nick nurse's defense which was mm-hmm. always kind of like this crazy frantic we're going to change we're going to change this scheme to this scheme um but jordy's has been kind of more kind of concrete and like staying as kind of just like man to man and so that was kind of cool to see that he was experimenting a little bit for sure i thought that was such a smart thing to do because you know you're going to win this game so why not try out different things, right? It's almost mm-hmm. Nick Nurse would do this. I mean, I'm not saying he's taking it from the Nick Nurse playbook per se, but Nick Nurse would always try different wonky things all the time, right? Yeah. And it's no perfect opportunity than when you're playing a team in Lebanon that you know you're going to win regardless. Um, yeah. And I thought it was really smart. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna, we're not going to do an X's and O's too much on this game, right, but right, yeah, it was yeah. nice to see that he, he threw that in and um i mean for example there was kyle alexander on the floor with zach Eady. i don't think that's yep. going to happen for the rest of the tournament unless something <laughs> yep. crazy happens May, maybe in a blowout if there's another one in the yeah. tournament but uh yeah so um just what 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 players maybe stood out to you obviously melvin edgem had a had a double double zach Eady had a double double right um because i told him i told him that i said you had a double double tonight he said oh my god really i didn't even know no 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 he only had he had 12 points he was perfect from the field but he had uh four rebounds what oh my god but it definitely felt like he was close (laughs) i i I lied to zach i'm gonna go apologize to him next time i saw him 
Oh my god. Maybe I saw Mel- Melvin Edgem and oh now I feel like a dumbass, but that's okay. Um That's okay. He, he yep. was he was really yep. nice. By the way, everyone, Zach Eady is a is a really nice guy and, and gave me a really um good quote. So I'm I appreciate uh appreciate you, Zach. And I'm I guess I hyped you up with that subconsciously on that one. So um <laughs> but he he was yep. really efficient and um he got caught up when they when they all harassed him and he got double team, triple team T definitely wasn't the strongest necessarily at reading those plays and kicking out but uh mm-hmm. even then he, he still had a good game but uh what, what did you make of maybe Trey Bell Haynes Melvin Edgem those types of guys today yeah I, I think uh, firstly with like Melvin Edgem I've been really uh surprised um and like pleasantly surprised with kind of his play so far um like kind of dating back to the exhibition games because he just looked a lot kind of he just looked a lot better um and I think he had like this one drive against France. It was like the and one mm-hmm. where he was attacking a closeout. And like, I was like, I like, I didn't know that was edge. It's like, <laughs> he was moving a really quick, like it was like a really quick attack. And I, yeah. So I think, because I think there was a, a little concern from me, I think in the 2022, like world cup qualifier windows, especially the summer ones mm-hmm. that he was playing in. And like, cause he, he just didn't look great. And it looked like the decline was kind of hitting him hard. Um, at least because like before that Melvin was like such a huge part of the team and like one, honestly, one of the better or best Canadians outside of the the NBA. And he was kind of always on the NBA bubble and he was doing well in Europe. Um, so I think, yeah, I'm happy to see he's been, uh, he's been really good. Like, um, and today, you know, five for seven with uh, three threes. Um, mm-hmm. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Um, and then, yeah, I think Trey Bell Haynes, I know he's gotten a lot of flack, um, especially in the uh, exhibition games. Um, and I think, so when I, when I, I think when we first talked um, in the first episode, like I hadn't watched the Spain game yet, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I rewatched a couple, um, a couple days later. And I thought like, he was a little shaky uh, kind of in the, first, but I thought the, fir- the fourth quarter, they, he had a lot of like kind of good drives, collapsing the defense, you know, got a couple layups. Um, and I think today in the press or the the post game press, are he was talking about kind of paint touches and like collapsing mm-hmm. the. I think defense. it was my question. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It was um, a bad, it was a bad question, but yeah. Um, no, no, I, no, 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 no. I it's because I thought I was asking uh, Jordy a question, and then they said oh, Trey, right. and then I said, oh, oh, and then I just <laughs> made something up. Um, but no, uh, I thought it was good. Thought yeah, was good. no, but um, no, I I I really agree. What I find was interesting. I don't know if you picked up on this because you're the 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 X's and O's guy and the guy in the film room and everything. But I found throughout the friendlies, not really um, the France game, because they only played maybe that stretch end of the first quarter, Mm -hmm. a bit of the Mm -hmm. second, but I found the bench unit got better as the game went on. I found, Mm -hmm. for example, in the Spain game, they had a really poor, what I forget what time of of the games they went in, but first quarter, second quarter, like in between. Um, But uh, in the fourth quarter, they made a little run there, and I remember yeah. Nikhil made a, a three point, uh, a shot, uh, a three from a, a tray um, kick out, and, and stuff like that. Um, and I think it was a similar thing in the Germany game as well. And they had a big comeback in the first one as well. So yeah. um, I, I, maybe that's something to to look forward to, maybe against Latvia, where I don't think they're gonna go with. I don't know what you think, uh, Jonathan, right. but I don't think they're gonna go with um just as small a rotation as they did in the france game because i don't think it's do or die comparatively to that france game where maybe all the marbles are on there um so it's probably gonna be not a kyle alexander zach Eady on the court same time type of game but maybe not a trey bell haynes three minutes or whatever Mm -hmm. the 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 case was in, in the france game but um how how have you liked brooks because you i I believe you tweeted about it and um, just maybe talk about how good he's been for the the team in the friendlies and now at the fiba world cup yeah sure sure yeah i think uh blake murphy he had the tweet about like oh fiba updates like the photos yeah um pretty live and then i i clicked on it and then i just saw this one with like brooks like praying before the game started i thought it was like fitting in so well with and because i know there was like a lot of concerns and wit had some concerns about um, the shot selection, uh, especially after what we kind of saw, like efficiency wise in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think exhibition games, 
he's been like really good. He's really real, like reeled it in kind of like the, the shots. Like I'm sure he'll take a couple bad shots here and there. Yeah. But... He hasn't, he really, yeah. Like in the he... actual games. Yeah. Yeah. In he's the been friendlies like, he... he did in the friendlies, he did a couple, but mm-hmm. even then it was one or two a game. It wasn't yeah. anything egregious. Yeah, uh, exactly. It... Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I think right now he's, he's missed two shots so far um, <laughs> from the field in the two games um, against Lebanon and now against France or France and then Lebanon. Um, and yeah. And, you know, I think everybody saw it with like how he was defending Fournier. He's oh. getting into guys and his point of attack defense and he's really physical. Um, yeah. I think this is like, honestly, like the best like case scenario anybody could have hoped for when it came to, to Dylan Brooks. Oh. Um yeah, like and like and he's, he's shooting a three ball well. He's been yeah. a, a dri- he's been driving really efficiently too, which I didn't really. I mean, I knew his game a bit in Memphis, of course, but I don't remember him driving that much. And I wonder, um, it's the theory on RJ Barrett a little bit, although he's he struggled a little bit uh, in that that France game, he one of ten, but that because in FIBA there's less athleticism. And maybe a guy like Dylan Brooks, who isn't really NBA freak athlete, but still obviously athletic, in a Euro, in a FIBA setting, can get that extra step on a guy, then get to the rim, and then use his strength and athleticism up and above. And that I've noticed that. But I also wonder what his corner three point percentage has been because throughout the in, including the friendlies, do you have that by any chance? I was going to ask um, you, but yeah. If, so I. I... I don't have like during the friendlies, but I think I can find it for the NBA. Okay. Um, but what I've noticed just in, in the, the Canadian games is that it feels as though he's just elite in the corner um, and, right. and doesn't really miss. And that's such a big weapon. If he's not going to take all these shots, right. And he's really mm-hmm. going to be three and D or attack a closeout, Right. Um, that really allows just Canada to use him as almost that fifth starter, maybe it's fourth yeah. because of Powell. But um, if you're just talking about the starting unit, but just a low usage guy, but really good shot selection. It's it's just just it's so weird. I don't know what happened. Maybe it's he got the bank in in <laughs> in Houston, and he says, yeah. "Well, now I, I want to win." I don't know, but right. uh, and obviously playing for your national team is different than playing in the NBA. But I've just yeah. been he's been in a weird way the most impressive player for me just because he he's kelly's been really good in the way kelly's been rj was really good in the friendlies maybe a bit surprising he's obviously was good tonight had 17 uh found the three ball a little bit um but just and obviously shay in, in that third quarter is why yeah. why people yeah. got so excited for shay being at the world cup but the fact that brooks has just been a revelation honestly might push this team into where you think, oh, they have that other guy who can score a little bit, who makes mm-hmm. right decisions, who brings the defense, um, or brings defense. And I really feel this team can win the gold medal. Just the way they're playing. Um, I'm not saying they're going to win, but right. that right. that France game, I don't know what you thought about it, but I just thought, whoa, that that looks like a team that can beat anyone in this competition on any given day. Um I still think the the U.S. are the favorites. At the same time, Shea is better than anyone on that USA team. Um, And I do think they've constructed a really good team for FIBA, just with Jaron Jackson, Kessler. They have a lot of playmakers and shooters, Halliburton and Reeves. But if you just say, okay, you're just playing the top guys, the the seven NBAers and Kyle Alexander or Melvin Edgem, Right. And and you're really just playing your NBAers. The the talent disparity between those top between Canada's top seven and, and USA's top seven isn't really that dramatic. And Canada has <laughs> the best player. Right. So yeah. I just I just think if it is a game, if it's a semis or final or whatever, that Canada really would have a really good puncher's chance in, in any game. Um and uh Anyways, I, maybe I got sidetracked, but what are your thoughts of just what I've all I've uh, just said? Right. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll just like jump in with uh. So I just searched up kind of Dylan Brooks's uh mm-hmm. three point percentages. So like for his career, he's at thirty nine point six from the left corner, 
Okay. and 38, 38% from the right corner. So that's like pretty, pretty like elite, a little, at least above average. Um, but then like where he really kind of struggles is like above the break. So right. anywhere else other than the corner, he's at 33% for his career. And I'm sure it was, it's probably even lower for last year. Um, mm-hmm. cause last year was kind of a, an off shooting night for him or a year for him. Um, but yeah, you know, I think going back to that France game and like, I was like, I was like, like I was shocked, like with I, that no, third quarter, it, like I had no idea that the defense, cause I think in my kind of like preview coverage, I talked a lot about the bigs and mm-hmm. how they were going to defend pick and rolls and how Powell was good. Kind of, he was pretty good at switching, but he was a little too small for playing drop. Olenek had some, you know, athletic limitations and Edie as well, of course. Um, so really, I was like, okay, it looks like Kyle Alexander is like the only guy that can mm-hmm. defend this action, the most frequent action at a decent level. Um, but I think what I didn't factor in enough was the point of attack defense from Dort, Nikhil, Brooks, um, because they just, and maybe this was part of um, like France's poor guard play, um, which has been kind of a strength for them for years now. Um but yeah, like I think Decolo was pretty good and like kind of off ball scenarios most of the time, except, except for like the beginning of the game where he got like those two baskets at the mm-hmm. beginning. And that was um, scary. I was thinking, uh oh, uh oh, yeah, here, we, here yeah. we go again. <laughs> right. Yeah. The 7 0 start was definitely a little, um, uh, put me a little on ad. Uh, but then Brooks. Unease. Yeah. 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 And I think, yeah, the, so the French guard play was kind of eh, you know, Okobo wasn't that good. And I think that really allowed Canada's um, kind of perimeter defenders to really, really harass um, ball handlers, get physical with them, kind of blow up screens. And so I think, yeah, like that defensive performance, especially in the third quarter was just absolutely ridiculous. Like Canada looked like um, one of the best defenses in the world for that quarter and that stretch. Um, And if they keep playing defense like that, like I don't see how they aren't kind of making it, uh, making a deep um, World Cup run, and I know I've always been like kind of a more pessimistic person, just in case. <laughs> um, but yeah, like honestly, like the defense was absolutely fantastic, and Dwight Powell held up really well um, in the pick and roll defense, and kind of dealing with Rudy Gobert's size, which I think was one of my biggest concerns. Was okay, Dwight Powell is good, but he's six nine, six ten, and he kind of looks. Like he's not like the big bruising big, but he mm-hmm. was fantastic kind of um, playing in drop and like like deflecting the ball whenever it was kind of bounced in between like where he could kind of get it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, basically, I think this team definitely has eased a lot of my concerns. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of make it a really deep playoff run or not playoff run, World Cup tournament, run, tournament yeah, yeah. run. No, no, I know what you um, mean. Yeah, and... Yeah, when it comes to like facing the U.S., yeah, I think yeah, I think you know, still the U.S. is still obviously the favorite in a game like that. Um, but yeah, I, I you know, it's a single elimination game. You know, anything can happen, and when you have a when you have Shea, like anything can happen. So did, did I you? Be... Uh, I have two topics I want to get to, but the first one you sure. you mentioned just about the defense, and obviously Olenek and Powell had two fouls late in yeah. by the end of the, the first quarter maybe two three minutes yeah. they both got it and, and then gobert was really noticeable the first quarter maybe 10 15 minutes of the game but as the game went on he became more and more unnoticeable i know that's not a word right. um right <laughs> but uh just what do you think changed with canada's defense was it just the point of attack that they were just weren't able to get the ball to gobert what did you notice oh. in, in right your, yeah, I think, well, first I'll just touch on like the, the foul trouble thing. And I think I really like Jordy's decision to kind of play. Because there's a, I, I had a tweet about it because I rewatched the game yesterday. And there was um a time in this, like at the end of the second quarter, where I think it was like two or three minutes left in the first half. Mm-hmm. And Jordy subbed Olenek back in at the five, guarding Gobert, um, which kind of seems like a really tough ask given that Olenek already had two fouls and like, you know, he was at risk of mm-hmm. picking up the third. But I think, I think that's the thing with like foul trouble that has always kind of irked me with like coaches. It's like, yes, you want to kind of keep your player available for later on in the game, but by resting them for so long, you're kind of punishing yourself more um, 
mm-hmm. for like them being in foul trouble and you're taking your best players off the court for extended like a periods of time. And he did the same thing with um, Brooks as well in the third quarter. I think there was like five or six minutes left in the third. Brooks had already picked up his uh, third foul like early on in the quarter. And he just he just played Brooks mm-hmm. for the rest of the quarter and trusted him. So I think I think that was pretty um pretty interesting to see. And I I, I was I kind of like that decision. Um, but in terms of the kind of Gobert, I think I think in the second quarter he he had a couple possessions. I think there was one where he kind of spun and like he just lost the ball and it went mm-hmm. off the backboard. Um, but yeah, I think the the defense, the point of attack defense. I think the French guards weren't really kind of hitting Gobert a lot. Um, as as he was rolling, like I think there was like that one pass in the third quarter, um, where he kind kind of caught it and then he just like went around Powell. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like aside from the one dunk where he was getting guarded by like Olenek and Powell, like I don't think Gobert really, um, like was effective on the offensive end in terms mm-hmm. of scoring. Like they just weren't looking for him and they didn't just didn't get him get him the ball um, when he was rolling to the basket or kind of a lot of lob situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think defensively, like he was like obviously fantastic as he always is, just plugging the gaps and just like basically deterring any Canadians from kind of driving to the rim. Um, and I think that's why we saw one of the the big adjustments, at least for Shea, at least, um, was just getting early offense um, in the third quarter, kind of pushing the ball. And Jordy, I actually had like I clipped it, but Jordy was there was a possession where like Canada got the rebound, and Jordy's like jumping up and down on the sideline, telling them yeah, like, yeah, to yeah, push, no. push, push. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's kind of what I think Canada's game plan was. Um, it was you know, gang rebound, box out, go bear with multiple people, bring four to the ball on the defensive glass, get the ball, and then just run it as fast and like as quickly as they could down the floor before Go Bear could camp in the paint. And I think it really helped Shea, for example, because a lot of his misses and shot attempts in the first half were kind of against a set defense. Um, and I think all of his field goals came when it was like in trans- semi-transition or mm-hmm. transition. Because um, in the first quarter, so I think that was one the- of the big things. Yeah. Yeah. No, in the first half, I forget exactly, but they were both transition uh, buckets. I think one was a dunk and a, or a layup yeah. in transition, but they weren't. Yeah, they weren't. It was a it was a euro like the yes, fake euro a, one, yeah. and then there was the yeah, when he like poked it away, and then he got the breakaway dunk, and then the the other two points or two of the other points he scored was like on um he drew this foul when he kind of was driving, and then it was like semi transition. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I think definitely trying to beat Gobert down the floor and like neutralize his um, rim protection and by like just going before he gets there was definitely a game plan um, and they did it really successfully um, in a third quarter. And that's like something that also like by getting so many stops as well, like that just feeds into, you know, being able to, to run out early, push the ball up. And it's like this like positive feedback loop that just keeps going, 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 going. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think Rudy, I mean, he was like what minus 18 or something at the end of mm-hmm. the game. So like, he was still like fantastic on the defensive end, but I think Canada found, found ways to, um, to attack no that's interesting and with with Shea right uh the fact that his mid-range it's was so good yeah. especially in that second um ha- a half and, and the third quarter yeah. to be specific it eliminates Gobert because he was just saying okay I'm just going to get to my spot at the elbow or wherever yeah. the case may be and Gobert has nothing to do can't do it and anything about it right unless they double him there but that doesn't really make a lot of sense um, yeah, and that's yeah. not really what teams tend to do. So uh, it just, I just thought they attacked him really well in, in that second half. Yeah. And their offense was good in the in the third quarter. It wasn't great. It wasn't that they didn't have 30 points. They had 25 in 10 minutes. That's I don't know what the conversion is, but that's, it's a pretty good, but not, they didn't just only make shots, right? Um, yeah. It wasn't just, oh, they had 40 or, I mean, maybe not 40 in 10 minutes, but anyways. Right, um, right, but no, uh, it was just phenomenal to watch live. The crowd was so into it. I, I thought the Dylan Brooks MVP chance. I almost <laughs> fell off my chair. It was just so unexpected, and they, <laughs> I'm not sure what they were doing. If it was a brew, there was some sort of uh, right, right, chant that they were doing when he got it, uh, the ball earlier in the game, and then he's hitting free throws, and it's 
MVP. Yeah, the two Dylan dunks, Brooks. the two dunks, um, made him uh, a fan favorite. Yeah, I know, but uh, as uh, I just, he's just, uh, it's that that third quarter, I just made me, and I'm sure you as well, someone who's cared about this program, who's written about this program for so long, just thinks finally it's arrived. <laughs> finally, yeah, what we've all yeah. been waiting for is Canada on the world stage to have the talent to be a really good team as they should be with the amount of talent they have in this country mm-hmm. and just to put it all together and it's not che- Chechia in 2021 or everything that happened in 2015 it, it all came together in that one quarter and um I can't lie I was I was I was cheering from um, the the press box and um <laughs> just get us up get us up yeah, yeah. You know, take that shoot that yes you know uh so i I wasn't as uh, maybe objective and journalistic as i should be on those (laughs) cases but uh it was just phenomenal and i I really that that quarter really changed how i see about this team but i also felt it was almost coming to some extent not not maybe not 25 8 but that they maybe increased the lead just because they weren't making any outside shots and they were winning and I thought that yeah. was just a telling sign. Did you feel that way? That maybe not that they were going to win the quarter 25-8, but that they really had survived that French, the French in the first quarter, or in the first half. Yeah, I and, think, yeah, I think the fact that they were up when it seemed like so much was going wrong for mm-hmm, the team. Exactly. Was definitely encouraging. Um, you know, like Fournier, but he had like 19 in the first half. Um, like our point of attack defense and kind of our off ball defense was kind of lacking in the first half, especially like following around mm-hmm. or following Fournier around and tracking him. Um, but yeah, so you, you had Fournier going crazy. Um, and then you had like, yeah, like you said, we couldn't hit a three point shot mm-hmm. at all. Um, RJ Shea. was struggling. Shea was struggling to score. Um, yeah. And like, I feel like we weathered a lot of kind of storms as well. Like we had that early seven Oh kind of deficit, and then when the the all five bench lineup came in, which I know a lot of people, including myself, are kind of not 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 huge fans of at all. Um, and then they gave up like I think it was like a nine zero or like a twelve zero run or something again after that. It was twelve. They were in. It was twelve. I yeah, don't know if okay. it was with them all in, but it was a twelve. But it was like in general, like, yeah, they were yeah. there for a big stretch. Yeah, and I think it was just like, yeah, like they kind of weathered a lot of different storms. And I thought, okay, you know, things have gone pretty much as bad as they can be. And we're still up. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, maybe we're in kind of not too bad um, of a situation. Um, but yeah. And then, yeah, that third quarter was like beyond my wildest dreams. Like I had never thought or would have expected Canada basketball to make like such an, like a statement on an international stage um, the way they did against France and just dismantling them. Um it was like it was truly like it was truly imp- impressive. Like I know I had the uh, I posted that, that that meme a lot where it was like Jordan like crying and it's like Meek Mill saying I used to pray for times like this. <laughs> um, but yeah, like honestly, like I have never related to like a meme like more, more than in your like, life. that third quarter was just it was special. It was a special run and like no matter how far we go in this tournament, like I think that is going to be one of like the iconic kind of crowning moments. And it can be even better, you know, if they medal or something, but that, that was definitely um, a signature moment for sure. And, and maybe, maybe I'm just getting ahead of myself, but it really felt, Oh, that's just, uh, it's just the start of something. That's what it felt yeah. to me. As. Yeah. Especially that, with like the, like the, like the weird FIBA rules where it's like, the first round results carry over to the second round, and like you don't FIBA have to never play makes France it in, again. Ne- FIBA ma- never makes it clear and obvious. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. So like in the second round, let's say France, um, like let's say France advances to the second round with Canada. Um, I wonder if they're winning against Latvia. They're right up. Now. So right now, as we're recording, I every time I turn to my right, I can see the Latvia versus France game. It's right yeah. now 53-49 for France, about oh, 20 seconds left. And it's been all points, all a lot of shooting. So um, just for fans, and we, we're going to finish this probably by the time the, the results out, but you probably want France to win. So whenever you listen to this and, and you'll know the result. And that's probably because 
the way you should think about it is who's going to beat um and this is a perfect segue in a way just the significance of the the Canada uh, beating France uh-huh. especially by the amount they beat but just beating them um because uh Canada essentially cannot uh be lower than France in in the second round and um because of the point differential they got um if Canada the basically the only way Canada will f- finish below France is if they have less losses or have more losses than them so Canada would have to lose two out of its next three games against Latvia probably Brazil and and Spain um now that could happen maybe Canada loses too i find that pretty hard to believe the way they're playing uh but maybe you never know um but if let's say canada beats brazil latvia loses to spain in a close one um just the fact that they have 30 points on uh france and just beat um lebanon by what was it 55 um it's almost basically that's a 60 point point differential france has to pick up which i just do not see them doing um so you probably want France, who's I think is a better team than Latvia, to be playing a Spain, to be playing in Brazil or whoever. And then if they were to beat them, then Canada doesn't have to win every game, right? So um, then Canada maybe can lose to Spain. But if Spain loses to France, then Canada probably has the tie break and X, Y, and Z. Right. So anyways, um, then if it's Latvia and Brazil and Spain win all their games, then it'll be a bit tougher and Canada might have to win uh out to or not went out but can't afford more than than one loss so um uh-huh. it's gonna be tough and we'll we'll see what happens but uh we're probably france fans if you believe that they're the better team overall than than latvia right yeah yeah and i think to kind of yeah like you said it was like a perfect segue because not only was this <clears throat> you know a big 30 point kind of dismantling of one of the best teams and programs in the world for the past what like six seven years but with FIBA, the results carry over. So in that second round, let's say Canada and France advance into that second group stage, France will not, and France and Canada, they aren't going to play again. Mm -hmm. Um, And those results kind of carry over. And so the fact that Canada can kind of bring and carry this like 30 point plus point differential and a victory um, is a big news because like really when we looked at kind of the the draw earlier on when it kind of first dropped it was okay to make it to the quarterfinals canada's probably going to have to beat at least one of spain and france um and you know they they did that with the first game with like this huge like um point differential so it was really like the best case scenario that's why i kind of called it the 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 biggest win in program history um wow but yeah yeah so i think i yeah. i to to call it the biggest win in program history sounds maybe a bit hyperbole, but other than maybe Canada making to the Olympics, right, yeah. um, and winning their group, um, but there's probably not one game, and and I wasn't there. I mean, I was alive, but I was two years old. Yeah. So yeah, um, and and maybe when they won to to make the Olympics, uh, mm-hmm. I, yeah. And Rowan Baird told me it was abroad. I haven't checked where it was. But he told me they won to to make the Olympics abroad, and I should check that out. Just right. uh, note to self. But other than maybe that game, how could yeah, this definitely, not be? It, yeah, definitely. And this is maybe this yeah. is I, I believe Grange wrote ba- basically this is the most essentially impactful win ever and, and right. most state right, win, yeah. win, and that I don't think is controvertible just because you beat. They're fifth in the world, but they just won the silver medal at the Olympics, and they only lost by five, six points to the USA with Kevin Durant, Dame mm-hmm. Lillard, Jason Tatum. Uh, I yeah. forget who else. Bam Adebayo. Uh, I forget who else was on that team, but a lot of really, really good players, and they only lost by five points. Uh, yeah. It's not exactly the same team, but the nucleus is the same from that yeah. France team. And to not just beat them, but to whoop them, uh, says a lot about this team and uh, it's going to be so exciting and um, I I just I just really hope Dominican doesn't go far in that easy draw and they beat Italy today which is really not a good result um, yeah if uh, and there's a chance if they are to to beat Serbia that then they'd be the one seed and then maybe play 
uh, Lithuania or Greece to make it to the semis. And yeah, uh, let's go to pass, a bit of yeah, let's go to a bit of pessimism on that just for the Olympics. Um, just how how likely do you think Canada is to to make the Olympics after that big win win against France? Yeah, I think it's definitely more likely. Um, of course, yeah. and like honestly, like I know we talked about this a lot, but like looking at Spain, but I think it's never been more true, especially after that when it's like other countries are looking at Canada and saying, "Oh, man, oh, we gotta play Canada." Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I know that's been a big kind of talking point from Maddie Ireland. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it definitely got obviously a lot more likely that they do but like we just said the Dominican Republic that it's a strong team and you know weak draw as well so it, it, everything just kind of has lined up for them and you know cat has been amazing um which kind of makes sense with his uh with his skills as uh, as a FIBA big um but yeah I think I think with the Dominican there's one thing over their first two games one of their other NBA players right now um, Lester Quinones, uh, the two-way contract player with the Golden State Warriors, he's actually been like really bad. Like I think he only had like two points or like one field goal today against Italy, and so he he he's really really struggled. Um, and so the fact that they're like winning, and although you know they they had a kind of a, a little scare with the Philippines in the first game, but the fact that they're kind of kind of rolling through these European teams is um definitely concerning, and I think. They are definitely the the biggest threat to to Canada. Um, moving forward, um, like you said, like they just need to beat kind of Serbia, and then they have like Greece, Lithuania, kind of in their path to get to like the semis. And you know, you're looking at Canada's path, and you know, getting out and getting out of the two group stages is still kind of, you know, I feel better about it, but you know, it's there's no guarantees, of course. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, we kind of got the short end of the stick with the draw here, but you know, you know, it's it's basketball at the end of the day. You know, you still got to go out there and play. You still have to compete, and you still have to you you have, you have to win your games. And I know I think that's a one of the big things with these kind of like larger scale tournaments. There's always a lot of kind of looking around at other teams, um, and how they're performing. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, for Canada, they can control their own destiny. They can just win win out or as go as far, far as possible and see where the chips with the chips fall. Yeah, no, um just to go off that I do I believe that they've essentially supplanted the or cemented their their spot in the quarterfinal with that mm -hmm. win. I find it really hard for them not to to make it that far now. Um and actually I I I I don't want to say it's reporting, but I I'm hearing that uh Franz Wagner who obviously him and Dennis Schroeder are the two best players on the German team. Um, he's going to be out for the whole second round, and they just beat. Oh, they they just or the, like he's going to be out for the whole time they're in Japan, at the oh, very wow. least. Um, now he'd potentially be back for a quarterfinal, but they just beat Australia, right? Um, and so I I'm much less high on Australia after seeing them. Um, in the past couple of the friendlies and how they played so far in the World Cup. Um, they're also having their coach seems to be playing weird players. Um right, just in right. terms of their front court's very weak. And, yeah. and Witter was talking to me off off obviously off air and saying that that might be a benefit for Canada because guys like Shea and RJ just get to the rim, unlike playing against France, where I, I truly believe that's why RJ had a bad game. It's just Right. Rudy Gobert's right there, and that's his kryptonite in terms of just in the FIBA game. Um, but in a weird way, I'm not saying the draw is breaking for Canada because they still have a way tougher challenge, and maybe they play yeah. Slovenia, but I don't think Slovenia is as strong as 2021. And yeah. if they play Australia or Germany without Wagner, I really like their chances. I know on a previous podcast I said that Wagner – or that Germany is my my number two team in this tournament. Obviously, without Wagner, right. I, I changed that. They're not. Um, right. And if he comes back and he's 100%, who knows? He might be more closer to 75. Um, mm. But in a weird way, I feel as though the draw is breaking a little bit. But there's a chance Canada might need to make the semis and maybe has to, to beat the Dominican in some way. 
to right, to right. Make, okay, and they look very good. Uh, I was watching their game today, so um, and they just have such an easy draw. So everyone becomes Serbian fans in the second round, and whoever else comes out, I, maybe uh, I forget who's in Serbia's group, but china or puerto rico well yeah, i'm gonna be just, for china but yeah it's it's just terrible it's puerto rico and some other uh i think south south sudan south sudan yeah that's think, it that's it yeah i think i believe that's so and they have a couple uh so nat- just not think naturalized about- but i think they have a couple canadians on the roster as well um like mario yeah. shyock and yeah, uh, ottawa guy Eko. he went to he went to anyone from ottawa listening went to saint pat's uh, i never played against him he was two or three he was about three years older than me but i played against st pat's and that's basically at least i don't know about now but when i was in high school about eight seven six seven years ago that was the most dominant team um, okay and and uh, yeah you mentioned uh is it accurate i don't know how you pronounce it but he, yeah he, not, he went to sure. arizona right yeah he went he... to arizona and then he kind of transferred and bounced around and i think he was at boise state that or like right. western kentucky as well but um, he was on the uh, the Ottawa Blackjacks this season mm-hmm. um, when I went to the the Scarborough game for the CEBL, but he he wasn't dressed, so like he wasn't. Yeah, like, I didn't. Um, he did, he he didn't play. I went to a game this summer, and he wasn't there as well. But long long story short, just I I I, I believe um, before the tournament that Canada would need to make the quarters to make the Olympics. Right, yeah. Uh, I feel much less confident about that, but I also feel way more confident that they'll at least make the quarterfinals. So, right, uh, glass half full, half empty. I don't know how you want to go about it's it, both. but <laughs> it's both. It's great on one side, bad on the other. Um, yeah, there is a chance, though. Basically, if Serbia were to uh, beat Dominican, almost for sh- surely the U.S. would play Dominican in the quarterfinals. Ooh. So okay. if that's why it's even more is that if Serbia loses to Dominican, decent chance Dominican plays Lithuania, um, who is yeah. decent yeah. but not USA. So you really want um, Dominican to lose every game. I don't really see Brazil right. being a contender. Um, they are a good team. They lost Neto, which really sucks. I was talking to some of the, the uh, reporters and obviously – pretty devastated he tore his yeah. i believe it was patella um uh-huh. and uh, that just really sucks but um so i really think if you're looking at just canada making the olympics you have to look at dominican as your team to to follow and watch as uh just with as much intensity as i am uh to those yeah. games compared to maybe canada games i think i was i was definitely more invested in that game than canada's game today in a way just today. because yeah uh, i knew it was going to be a blow up but um is there anything else jonathan that you want to hit off before we maybe uh yeah sure i guess i have a, a quick question since you know you're in jakarta and i know you, I, I saw your tweet about asking the question but do you know like anything if like with like the ludor soreness injury is it like just vague soreness or is it like maybe something else so he 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 was walking normally because he was on the bench and actually I I had a he there's a mixed zone for people who don't know and then there's a press conference after games and all the players walk through the mixed zone and you basically have to convince them to to talk to someone <laughs> um so it's a bit harder um for example today RJ and Kelly and Zach took some time uh, Melvin Nedjem did as well uh but um, he was walking in a jumpsuit, didn't seem to, he wasn't wearing a cast or anything on it. At least maybe he was wearing something underneath, but I didn't right. see anything. When I asked Jordy, he really did not answer the question. Um, right. I don't know his exact phrasing, but it says, uh, you, we see on a, on the court today, we had 11 guys who played as a team. Right. We just yeah, completely evaded yeah. it. Yeah. So I don't think that's a good sign. Although they're being very vague, right? Very like vague. soreness is also very vague. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I, I know he had a fall a little bit or one or two. He had a dunk in the France game and Batum blocked him and he f- fell hard and probably presumably on his back. If I had to go back, uh, no pun intended. Um. And so maybe that's it. I'm not really sure yeah. what it is, Uh. but back soreness is better than, um a lot of other things yeah right? it's not knee soreness it's not it still sucks of course but 
also um just um i don't know if you can hear uh hear the the media center asking for people to go to spain so i'll let you jonathan just for a second take over for me yeah sure sure i think so yeah, i think that's like because i know when i woke up today at like 5 30 in the morning um and i saw rash's tweet about oh ludord is out for soreness and i was like uh like so are we gonna yeah no there was nothing i wasn't told anything beforehand and i saw a like after the fact so uh at the game and i was taught i was with a rash pregame essentially for the until maybe the last 30 minutes and he didn't know or he never told me and i think he would have just uh we've bonded a bit so um anyway so i i believe it was probably a last minute thing at the same time if there's any type of soreness why are you playing them against Lebanon, Lebanon yeah. right? It, it it makes a lot of sense to me. I was just, I was actually, it may, I, I mean, I was surprised, but in retrospect, I think, okay, well, he has back soreness. Why play against Lebanon? What I, if I'm a bit worried about just reading his comments is he didn't give a, oh, this is precaution. He said precautionary, but he didn't say, oh, he should be good for the Latvia game or, right, um, yeah, or he should be good for the second round or, there was no diagnosis or prognosis or anything given other than precautionary. And we have a great team, um, which, you know, I mean, I don't blame coaches for doing it, but um, I doubt he says it if he knows for sure that he's playing against Latvia, but maybe that's just me. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, no, I think that's definitely potentially a concern moving forward because, you know, Brooks has been at least in the first French game, you know, he's been towing the line of foul trouble. Um, and you know, you, the big strength for our team or our our wing defenders was okay. Brooks is in foul trouble, like we saw in the third quarter. He picked up his third foul, and boom, Dort comes right in. And so there's like absolutely no drop off, basically, in terms of like physical point of attack wing defenders. Um, but you know, if Dort is isn't available or if he's not 100, percent I feel like that is suddenly a potential kind of not flaw in the sense because I think. If it's like a smaller guard, I think I would trust Nikhil as well to basically be able to provide similar levels of um, point of attack defense. But especially if it's like a, you know, and this is way down the line, but like, you know, I'm thinking like Anthony Edwards, for example, like Nikhil is just a little um, too thin and too, um, too small for that. Um, And so I think, and RJ isn't like that great um, on the defensive end. Um, So I think, that could potentially be something that if it is like a legitimate injury and it's like kind of lingering, I think that would be one of my uh, concerns moving forward. Of course. Um, And, and with that, what I I just think about is that in that France game, they were basically interchanging the two of Dort and Brooks on defense. um, And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, they're different types of defenders, but they're still both elite and they're both wing defenders and the ant compare or, the ant analogy is a great one just because that's basically the type of player you'd want to put him against is yeah. ants a really strong guy and Lou Dort is too. And um, so I'll, I'll try to see what I can cook up. I'll probably try to do some digging after this uh, call sure, or uh, after sure. this uh, podcast, but um, I haven't had the chance to. So um, yeah, anyways, it, it's, it's really interesting and um I hope he's back because he's he adds a lot to this team. Although his shot selection was really bad in in the, yeah, the France game, uh, but... you just gotta accept it with um the 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 trio of, of wings, you know Barrett, Brooks, and a uh, Dort. You just gotta accept that it's gonna be not the, the the most efficient. And if you can get one of them to be efficient, which has been Brooks so far, um, you're you're looking good. I guess my last question is just like a, a general question, like. What's like the, like, how is Jakarta and like, what's the kind of, I guess, highlight so far in the first couple of days that you've been here? Highlight. That's interesting. Um, Highlight. It, it feels as though I've had 45 different highlights. Uh, okay. I <laughs> nice. just, just for people that know, I'm not sure if I'm, uh, I think I'll be writing about it, but I just talked to Bruno Caboclo one on one, which was really cool. Really nice guy. Um, It wasn't very long. It was just after practice for about, five ten minutes um so either i'll have the put out the the interview audio file or I'll, I'll write something um i've talked to i have a piece coming out a little bit 
with I talked to Ron Barrett one on one. I talked to Steve uh, Steve Bartlett, Mike Bartlett, the CEO of Canada Basketball, um, just a blurb about what they've done to really bring this roster together and and um, maybe structure Canada Basketball in maybe more professional way, um, especially in a way that entices NBA players to come play for Canada and talking about that a little bit um, and just what they've done. Uh, I've talked to Zach Eady and, and Dwight Powell off the record, which was cool. I, I mean, I can talk about it because I talked to them. I, I can't right. say yeah. anything, yeah. but um, so I, do, I am, I believe I have uh, a little bit of time with Jordy Fernandez. I'm going to talk, talk to him about just the Spanish connection, presuming Canada plays Spain in the next mm-hmm. round. And then, I'm again, I'm not sure yet, but there's a chance I'm sitting down with Sergio Scariolo. Obviously, Raptors fans know him well, uh, being the assistant for a long time. He actually, um, Jordy was uh, an assistant under Scariolo when they won the World Cup in the last tournament in 2019. Um, so those it's just pretty surreal to be having these conversations. And I, I finally feel comfortable with players for the most part right. in, nice. in a setting, it's a bit less awe of awe. Uh, rather than the first day or two um it was pretty surreal to ask shay a question to ask rj a question um to ask kelly a question um kelly gave me a cool little answer today um just about um what it means for for just to see guys like melvin and and trey and all of them do well and um rj is always a good quote which is good um a couple of my questions have gone on to Arash's pieces. Um, So that's been kind of nice. Um, He said the paint's wide open, which was great uh, in in the first game or in the first, I think it might've been the first day they did media. Anyways, it's just been really surreal. Witter's been alongside me, which has been fun. Everyone should check out him. I mean, I'm not going (laughs) to swear, but the man literally brought a Lou door, not a Lou door, a Dylan Brooks shirt with that almost looked like a super, villain it had like green eyes coming out of he must have photoshopped it um and then all the players if people didn't see on this twitter uh, on twitter people need to find it just scroll on on wit's uh uh feed but then <laughs> there's a video of him with it and white powell sees him and then taps Lou Dort beside him and says, "Look at this! Do you see this?" And they're like, "What the heck?" And then, and then uh, Dylan saw it and dabbed him up. Yeah. He's like, "Hey, nice, nice! I love it." Or yeah. something. I, I don't. Yeah, I think it, it was like the shirt where it was like Dylan was like wearing like that like like long wig or something. It was like the yeah, straight yes. hair wig yes. with like the fur coat or something. And he yes, like a that's WWE, it. It's definitely like, a fur wrestler. coat. It's definitely a fur um, coat. And today he wore a pa- he wore a Pangos and Olenek Gonzaga jersey or not jersey but a t shirt. So oh right, I think it's like his it's like his Twitter header photo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he has he had that. So it's, it's been nice really getting to know him and Arash was really been nice. Um, I, I mean I've I've said this to people and I, I think I've tweeted it, but just showing me the ropes, helping me alongside, he introducing me to Rowan to some of the players. Um, giving me a bit of behind the scenes and how he works and that guy works harder than anyone he's always uh, you see him in the media room and he said he's practicing his tv hits over and over he's changing it he, he works um, really really hard um, and uh, really talented great interviewer um, I know he, he was on my own podcast behind the play about a year ago and said which I think if anyone's in the media realm that's interested and, and wants to do interviews, he said he never prepares questions. He just listens. And right. uh, I don't know if I can always do that, but it really helps that in the back of my mind um, just to have maybe more concepts rather than, than uh, the question. actual like, yeah, yeah. preset questions. And then once you go from that, then uh, almost take charge in it. It's a bit harder in scrums. Um, right. You feel a bit more pressure than if it's a one-on-one, but uh, it's been phenomenal. The hotel's cool. I do, I have one story, and it was when I got sure. there because this I felt okay. This is not home anymore, and uh, <laughs> I get to the airport. Um, I ordered a like a service because everything's a bit cheaper here. Just basic, not a limo service, but like a driver service. Right, and they don't show up. I don't see anyone. And so I said, okay, well, I'll take a cab. So I walk over 
And some guy says, okay, here's a cab. And then I get in the car thinking he's going to drive me, but no, there's someone already in the cab. And I say, well, I, before I say is like, how much was it? And he's like, oh, it's 50 American. I said, well, I just need to get home. So I'm whatever, I'll bite the bullet. And so I do it and I get in the car and then he's bartering with the driver. So he's like, (laughs) oh, here's my 60. Here's your, and uh, I, in Indonesia, 5,000 rupees is $4 or something. Um, So it's, it's a weird it's like my meal was $25,000, but it's really 20. <laughs> it was sixteen ninety two or something. Um. Anyways, so I get in the car and he just starts. I I look in and the car creeps swerving. I think, why are you just swerving in the lane? And then I look into the mirror and I just see him almost dozing off. His eyes are barely open. So I tap him and say, are you awake? Are you awake? He doesn't speak really any English. Oh, um. No. Anyway, so he's just swerving and I'm for and it's a long drive. It's about 40 minutes. There wasn't really traffic because I got in at midnight. Um, so, yeah, it was it was fun. It was not a fun drive. And I was texting my dad and saying, fuck, what like what? The, sorry. Um, what do I do? <laughs> How do right, I? Right. And just I tried to keep an eye on him. And I'm I had one hour of sleep in 32 hours. So it was just not a fun night, but it's been right, fun so right. far. And the food's great um really cool i missed winter we were supposed to go for like a food tasting thing but i just had too much work but um he's now food he's he's uh, a bit food sick or what's the right word Uh, food poisoned i don't know if it's food poisoned or he just ate too much food um (laughs) right right, but uh anyways it's been really enjoyable um i definitely understand the city a little bit um it's definitely different um but it's been really cool it's also been just really cool to meet a lot of people in the media right latvia and and france under the group so i met a guy jan from the keep who's a really smart guy another guy from the keep um then latvian media um that the uh has really been good i I think i'm gonna have someone from latvian media i believe tomorrow or the next day to preview a little bit so people stay tuned for that um and yeah just i don't know what else to say other than it's been a dream come true being in the press row is really cool um, not what I expected. I, I, my dad texted me during the France game. And he said, well, what's crazy is you would have just done anything just to be at that game. And yeah. the fact that you're at that game and you're covering it is uh, pretty surreal. Um, but the good thing I, I believe is that it's becoming more normal for me. It's not as surreal to see all the players. And, and I, that's a good thing if for other journalists, you yourself and other people at Raptors Republic or wherever is, try to make sure that it's not that big a deal. Um, But uh, I mean, it isn't, it isn't. So, um, but it's just, it's really cool. And hopefully I get a couple more interviews throughout the week. I'll be podcasting a lot, writing a little bit too. Um, uh, I should, oh, I should say who I have on this week on top. I have Oren Weisfeld uh, on Tuesday or Monday, your time Tuesday here. I'll probably put it up on Tuesday. I have Michael Grange the day after. I have nice. Dan Shulman um, nice. on Friday. And then I have uh, Arash Medani will join me, us too. Um, and so, yeah, so there's a pretty big list of, of cool people in the industry and stuff. So stay tuned, busy. I'll have a Latvian preview. Um, I might try to get a Spanish reporter on as well. Um, so anyways, it, just stay tuned to the podcast. Um, I'll be trying to do it almost every day. So don't don't lose sleep. All, all your all things Canada basketball will be on a pod in a podcast setting. I don't take days off like you, Jonathan, because I don't know how you write <laughs> so much. That's I I think podcasting where I need to prepare for I don't know a couple like forty minutes, but for you it's just you're just writing right. and doing this, and it's it's crazy. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I got a little like the preview stuff was a, I got a little lucky because like I worked on that throughout the year when they like mm-hmm. Canada basketball is kind of slower. And it was like, I was looking back. Right. So it was like, um, I think like two out of like the four pieces was like, I already had ready to go. Oh my God. Um, okay. Wow. Okay. So that makes yeah, a bit why, more yeah. sense. Cause I just thought, I mean, not that it's not a lot of work, but holy, you know, yeah, crap, it's, <laughs> it, it's a lot of work at the same time. So just to think yeah. that you had done it and immediately, uh, would no, be, no, uh, no. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that would have been possible, but so, yeah, you know, it's so, like Wit said, um, I think like you're the, 
I've seen it, you know, and I agree, you know, the hardest working guy in a can of basketball. I'm going to say a rash, man. I'm going to say a rash, but maybe I'm more locked (laughs) in or something. I don't know. But uh, when I look at you and, and, and wit, I I know uh, your basketball minds are so just high level. So um, it's something I strive for. And uh, I don't know if I'll get there, but um, uh, I'll definitely be doing interviews and uh, podcasts and it's been really fun. And um uh, also people know that FIBA is just very dysfunctional organization. So uh, they're not helpful. The Wi-Fi hasn't been working a lot of times oh, no. or in and out for the media center. So oh. um yeah, that was a whole kerfuffle uh, right before the France Canada game. So we anyways it's been you learn a lot of things and um uh, but also great people as well. So um I guess I'll just before I let you go because I know I was supposed to a while ago, but this has been fun. Um, as France goes up by 11 points, um, which I think is a good thing. Um, oh, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that's good. Actually, I forgot. Yes, yeah. that is good. That is good. Yeah. Uh, just for you, what's your prediction for Canada right now as we sit here today? Where is gonna, Canada going to end up? Are they going to be, are they going to make the Olympics? I know I asked you that before the tournament. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now, after a big game against France, how far do they go, medal, and then do they make the Olympics? Yeah. Yeah. You know, after the big France game, you know, I'm riding this high. Okay. And so I've always been pretty uh, like pessimistic, just like in case for cautious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, riding this high. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, this is the year. It looks like this is a special group. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I think, yeah, well, I think we're going to make it out of the group finally for the first time. Um, and yeah, I think, we can make it to the quarterfinals and depending on who we play, like I think it's really likely we can even make it to the semis. And then, you know, you're talking about meddling, which it was completely out of the picture for me at the beginning mm. um, of the tournament. Um, so, yeah. So if, I, I guess for now, um, until I see that Spain game or potential Spain game, I'll say, uh, I'll say quarterfinal or actually I'll say semifinals for now, for now I'll pencil that in for I- now. I am feeling more confident by the day. Um, now we'll see against Spain. Maybe that's a hiccup. I watched Spain. They look really good, but they looked exactly as good as they did when Canada beat them. Mm-hmm. And Canada looked way better in that France game than they did in that Spain game. Yep. I'm not saying they're going to beat Spain by 30 points, um, but they just, that was not the case in that Spanish game. Um, and they'll still have more talent just top to bottom on the team, even in a FIBA setting. So um, I'm going to go out on a limb and maybe this is just me being a homer, but if they, I'll say, I'll preface it this way. If they play the way they did in that, in the France game, they're winning the gold medal. That's how I think. Okay. Um, No, I mean, I see, I I see. I don't, I, I, the U S has been really good. I, this U S team is better than the team they sent in 2019. I believe that for a fact. Um, way more suited for the FIBA game. They have centers. They have playmakers that 2019 team did not. It's a bunch of basically um, shooting guards uh, and uh, scorers and not really facilitators. So I really think it would be a really tough game. Um, But for me, Canada, USA, and Germany are the best teams. Uh, If Germany gets Wagner, Canada, if they were to beat Spain, probably play Australia, who I'm much lower on. Um, just watching them, they just lost to Germany without uh, with Germany without Franz Wagner. Um, mm-hmm. I I think a lot of their players are maybe just a bit too young and um, and right. sure they're they like they too actually, young or like too old. Too like old. Patty Mills. They're and maybe, yeah, no, someone no said they're, they're caught between two generations, and I thought that was really a well put point. And um, they do actually have more NBAers per se on the team. Um, uh, guys are a bit more fringe, right? Everyone in Canada yeah. is uh is a rotation player in the NBA. Not everyone on on Australia is. Right. So I just think the top six or the top seven the for Canada is better than Australia, and then Germany. Yeah. I'm really worried about, but as I just said, I don't think he's Wagner is going to be at, back until the quarterfinals, and that's when Canada would play him. He might not be as in game shape, game uh ready and sharp so i think canada has the advantage there so i'm I'm feeling more optimistic about it now than i did before so um i don't know if they'd play the usa if they're the number one seed i forget how it all works i'd have to look at that closer but um 
I think semis is probably the what I think will happen at the very least. Right. But I'm gonna say gold just because I'm I'm that kind of guy, and that's more <laughs> just based on the fact that if they play that way, I I truly believe that's in the cards. Um, and medal contention, no matter what happens in the next um, five days or whatever, the next three games for Canada, I, for me, they're they're a medal contender. It's supplanted after that first game. I, you can't change anything in my mind, even if they lose to Spain. Um, right. Just what they showed was just too high a level where they can beat anyone um, consistently in the world now, other than maybe the U.S., um, but yeah, well, thanks, Jonathan. I I really appreciate you doing this. We'll definitely um do this again, uh, yeah, probably sure. maybe later this week, and and maybe as well uh, when I get back, um, hopefully for the quarterfinals, which seems pretty likely at this point. So, um, thanks again, Jonathan. Everyone should check out your work. I know I read it just so I know what I'm doing. So uh, thanks right. again Thank for for you. doing this, and uh, I'll try to get back to the Latvia game and uh, maybe watch the bit of the end of it as uh, right now. France is up uh, 10 points, 72, 62. So, um, yeah. All right. All right. Looking good. It's looking good.